Here we are with Cameron. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, Cameron and Lisa, and they have two young boys as well, uh, Ryder and Sebastian. Why don't you, why don't you tell us just uh, about you and your family real quick before we get into where it is in the world that you are right now? Yeah. Thank you so much, guys, for uh, having me out and uh, hopping into this Wednesday night. Um, I grew up in Cape Murillo. I've known Jeremy since I think I was like in sixth grade. I was like 12 years old. And uh, he would teach me bass guitar, and then he gave me a bunch of death metal CDs. And Did like, I hear? Uh, no, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> no, but, uh, but you know, praise God, we're both following him now. No, but um, <laughs> but uh, no, we. I was born and raised in Camarillo, and um, I uh, I um, came out and uh, did something called DTS with YOM back in 2014, um, Youth with a Mission. Um, this missions organization that we're sent out of and um, effectually it's in that place that I really felt like God was calling me to go to the mission field um, but yeah I grew up in Camp Rio known J-Rod and Jeremy and Ken for years used to do the Mexico trips all that and so journey is just so near and dear to my heart um, and uh, yeah just growing up just growing up a Christian home um, really didn't really give my life to the Lord till I was in college had a moment where I just told him, I told Jesus, I said, Lord, you got, you got one month to show me you're worth following or else I'm just going to continue in my life. And I woke up the next morning and he completely delivered me of every addiction to alcohol and drugs and sex that I had. And that kind of started trajectory from age of 18. Now, nine years later, went to India eight months after I gave my life to Jesus. It's there. I saw my, the first person I prayed for get healed. It's the first time I was opened up to the supernatural and also really saw people give their lives to Jesus and um, ended up getting trained out here in Kona, Hawaii. Met my wife from Norway. She's, uh, she's got Viking blood in her. And uh, we got two, we got two uh, sweet boys, two years old and six months old. And uh, we moved out um, to the mission field in 2017. So, yeah. Awesome. I heard that uh, the one thing that, that Jesus didn't heal you from was uh, your addiction to water polo. Is this true? Well, come on. I don't, uh, I don't, yeah, I'm not free of that one yet. No? <laughs> I talk about it probably way too much. I'm trying to glory in my past days. Now I'm just fat and overweight and oh. can't swim. No. <laughs> But if you are, are tuning in, and if you're joining us on Facebook tonight, uh, you can say hi to Cameron in the chat. Uh, Dustin will be monitoring that. If, also, if you have questions about, about him or about Lisa or about the work that they're doing and involved in, feel free to put it in the chat and uh, let, let's have a conversation tonight. Um, but first up, uh, thanks for telling us about, about yourself. Thanks also for making time for us tonight. Um, but the spoiler is is that Cameron is in Nepal. Cameron and Lisa and, and their boys are, are doing missionary work in Nepal. And if you guys don't know where Nepal is, you may not, and that's okay. I'm going to pull it up on Google Earth for you. Can you see that, guys? Yeah. Yeah? It's an Earth. We're going to look up Kathmandu. This is, this is where you're at, right? Yeah. Here we go. All the way, like, on the opposite side of the world right here now i have no idea where that is anymore but here we go it's in asia obviously um by the himalayan mountains how far are you from uh, mount everest uh if i drive three hours on my motorcycle on a clear day i can see mount everest 
Wow. I mean, that's like, here's, here's Mount Everest in relation to Kathmandu right there. Are you in Kathmandu proper? Yeah, we're like in the city. Yeah. Oh, wow. Look at that. Boom. Right there. Mount Everest. Um, you're in the city of Kathmandu. I just want to get, get a little bit of perspective about this for, for our friends at home. Mount Everest right here. got three reviews for three stars. <laughs> Wait, did you see that? Uh, haters, you know. <laughs> um but, but let's just pollution let's just uh zoom in even more uh to Kathmandu. i mean look how congested this area is this is not rural by any means right wow. like yeah, look really at this i don't know how far i can go but it, it looks pretty crowded to me it looks pretty developed to me you're like in the city yeah yeah we're like right in the thick of the city i want to uh, see the people on the motorcycles <laughs> Where are all the motorcycles right now? That looks rather less congested than I've seen, but that's just me. Um, but anyways, you're not actually in Kathmandu right now. You're actually in Kona, Hawaii, right? That's right. <laughs> pretty far. This is like the most high tech we've ever been. This is cool. <laughs> Look at that. Look at that. You're all the way over here. In Kona, Hawaii. You want to tell us a little bit about what in the world you're doing here? <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, you're you're here and you're supposed to be here somewhere. Right up here. <laughs> there you go. Right up there above India. Yeah. Here's Africa. And here we are up here, right there. Uh, what in the world are you doing in Kona? Yeah, so like I said, um, in 2014, I did a six-month missionary training school out here. Met my wife um, out here, got married in 2016, um, and then moved out to Nepal in 2017. So we spent about three years out here, um, and this is what we consider our sending base. So, Kona. Kona. Yeah, Kona. So there's about, um, there's about 800 full-time missionaries out here who are working on different initiatives all over the world, whether it's from big evangelistic gatherings to using um, aquaponics and different technologies to help dig wells and villages, or, you know, there's just it's such a broad spectrum of how we can take the Great Commission and really see it advance across the earth. And so we spent three years out here and moved out to Nepal um, and have been in Nepal for three years. Um, but you know, back in March, we were all going about business as usual and, uh, this little sucker called COVID hit and, uh, and, uh, <laughs> the Rona, uh, it's really, uh, <laughs> it's, um, it threw us all for a curveball. So, um, literally, um, in the end of February, we had run this huge youth gathering in the South of Nepal and saw tons of people give their lives to Jesus, people getting set free, all kinds of stuff. Um, four days after we run this youth gathering, I drive back on my dirt bike home. My wife has our newborn baby, Sebastian, on March 6th. Um, and then four or five days later, we graduated our third missionary training school that we've been running out there, celebrated all these guys on a Friday. Um, we've been able to reach and share the gospel with 10,000 individuals over three schools in this region of the world um across about 70 students and so 
it was just amazing. We were celebrating all these amazing victories for the kingdom of God. Um, and then Lisa's parents visited over that weekend after we graduated the school on Friday. Norway started shutting down their borders. We had to get her family home before they were going to not be allowed to get back into their nation. And uh, Monday morning after we got them out over the weekend, I'm sitting drinking Chio with three of my buddies. And um, we had decided um, from the council of some guys out here in Kona that we need to get a fall. Kona hit really hard. Situation for a family with a newborn and with children. So we all decided that it'd be best to recommend for our team to leave. There's about 50 of us on our team in Kathmandu. And, um, and so within 48 hours, all the Americans got out but we had a newborn baby without any paperwork other than a little a little certificate from the hospital saying you had a boy <laughs> and so we had about four and a half days to get his official government birth certificate his consular report of birth abroad which is the american birth certificate his passport a visa and his passport and a flight to get out of the country and so while everyone's leaving the leaving and getting out of nepal um i was flying around Kathmandu, going to random little government offices here and there on my dirt bike while Lisa has a newborn baby with a two-year-old or year-and-a-half-year-old ripping around. And, um, and it was absolutely insane. But we got out um, 10 hours before the entire country shut down. And um, in the midst of all that chaos, we were trying to figure out where do we go. Uh, since my wife's from Norway, it's not super easy. It's not like we're both American. So we had to really figure out where it was going to be the best spot. Would it be Camarillo? Would it be Norway? Or would it be Kona? And as we were praying, we really felt like Kona was the spot that we have. We have an amazing relationship with people out here. We're really connected with a lot of um, people that we consider family out here. And so um, we, yeah, flew to Kona. And so literally, um, as we're driving to the airport, like nations are shutting down. We fly to Thailand, get into Bangkok, and it was like the day before Bangkok airport, like completely closed down. It was just a madhouse with a newborn baby and a toddler. Luckily, we had one of our good friends. He was like in his 70s. He was like our honorary grandpa, just could take care of Ryder while we were traveling from Kathmandu to Bangkok, flew into Japan, um, and it was like a ghost town. There was like maybe 30 people in the airport. And, uh, and then we flew directly from Japan to Kona because at that point, um, people were getting denied entry from Asia to Oahu and Honolulu. So we kind of bypassed that whole uh, transit port and went straight to Kona because then once we were on that soil, then they would let us stay. So um, yeah, we had to literally leave with a 13 day old baby and um, had to go straight into two months of isolation in this little Ohana out here, didn't see anyone with a colicky baby and um, it was just pretty full throttle. But we had to leave just because out there they do it a little different. And so if you get Corona out there, they um, lock your family in the house and you have to be in like a little field tent in the middle of nowhere. And so Lisa couldn't be in like complete isolation without any support um, if one of us got COVID out in Nepal. So yeah, we've been here ever since. And uh, every day I wanna get back home to Nepal. <laughs> of course, of course. Man. Yeah, I mean, Kim, why, why don't you? Uh, you've worked a lot with Cameron before and Lisa. Um, 
and know what's going on. Why don't you ask uh, one of our, our first questions tonight that we're going to be exploring uh, in regard to what you're doing in not just in Kona, but also in Nepal. Yeah, Cameron. So I know Jeff and I had a chance to go out and visit you guys out there in Nepal. And I just want to hear from you, like what a typical day might look like um, in your life in Nepal. Um, yeah. What do you do there on a, you know, kind of on a daily slash weekly basis? Yeah. So um, like I said earlier, um, we moved out with the direct like assignment to start running missionary training schools in Kathmandu um, back in 2017. And so we're responsible for effectually training and equipping young people who want to be missionaries in Asia. And so um, a lot of our work week looks like preparing and training our staff, um, creating curriculum, um, coordinating with speakers from all over the world who we have a great relationship with to then bring them out and run uh, 12 weeks of training and then another chunk of 12 weeks of what we call outreach where um, we send them out and they um, just uh, get to blaze all over Nepal and India and different connecting nations and uh, just really share the good news of the gospel message. So a lot of what we do in a normal work week is centered around that. Um, but we really, as a team, just being out there, it's a, just a different spiritual climate. Um, it's not in the comfort of the West. And so a lot of um, the war is real, you know? And so we really really prioritize the place of prayer as a community we just believe that as we grab a hold of the first commandment that the second commandment will become easy you know as we love god it'll be much more easier to love the lost and love that love our neighbor and so we commit to two hours a day where we um do a different kind of prayer style where we do a lot of worship and prayer and we ebb and flow between those um just because it's a place that if you um, don't plumb on yourself to Jesus, you will become the worst version of yourself. And so we really cling to Jesus and really rely upon his supernatural love to fill us up um, so that we can really love those around us. And also just knowing that prayer is the beginning of every great move of God, that if we aren't a praying tribe, then we're laboring in vain. So, yeah. That's so good. Can you tell us a little bit about like say some of the students that are in your school, like where do they come from? And can you kind of share a little bit about that? Like different nations and did you freeze? I think he froze. He said again. Did you hear my question? Yeah, just tell us a little bit about, you know, the students that you're training, like where do they come from? And What's yeah. the ratio Nepali students with other? Yeah, it's like it's about 50-50. So we run them in English. And so we have a lot of Nepalis um, from all over Nepal. This last school, we had a girl from a Tibetan region of Nepal, which is really special because her first language is actually Tibetan. And her second language is Nepali. Then her third language is English. Um, then outside of that, we have guys from India, all over Europe, of course, Americans, Australians, Canadians. So it's really just an amazing, unique learning 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 environment because we get to really uh, press in for what is the culture of the kingdom, right? It's not an American culture thing or a Nepali culture thing or, you know, fill in the blank culture thing, but we get to really figure out like, man, what does kingdom culture really look like? Um, so it's, it's a lot of fun um, and really dynamic, so. Can you tell us a little bit about like, say, um, what kind of topics the students are studying? 
yeah, we, um, we do everything from, you know, the nature and character of God, uh, do a whole week on um, the Holy Spirit. You know, I just, it's a topic that we don't really touch too much. You know, a lot of us know the Father, we know Jesus, but who's the Holy Spirit? Who's actually the person of the Holy Spirit? Um, we do, you know, teaching on spiritual warfare and worldview. Um, and we do something, you know, we call Freedom Week, where we really go after the hidden sin in people's lives um, so that we can really get free of shame and all that stuff. So actually it's 12 weeks of, um, of teaching kind of just on a broad stroke of um, everything from who God is and who you are and how we can reach the lost actually. Love it, man. Yeah. I mean, this is going to be tough after that, entrance of how you got from Nepal over to Hawaii. I mean, that's one of the most killer stories ever. Um, but if you can put some of us in your shoes over in Nepal, can you tell us some of your, your best, most recent stories, some life-changing events that have happened? I know you're talking about, you know, getting 10,000 people to praise. That's an amazing story. What else can we experience from over there that's impacted your life so heavily? Man, it's, it's hard to keep it short, you know, um, like when you give your heart to a place and, um, but, uh, yeah, it's really, it's changed my life being out there and really coming to a place where it's so different that my human ability to love, um, dwindles and I'm just relying upon his love to fill me up every day, you know, but it was just so sweet to commune with the father in that way. Um, but I, I, I think I could just share probably our most recent testimony of as we were leaving, um, we felt like the Lord was inviting us to begin to mobilize um, church youth across Nepal. So Nepal, 0.5% Christian in 2001, now close to 10% Christian in, in 2020. So about 2,000% growth in the last 20 years of the church. It's just absolutely exploded across the nation. But what's happening now, I mean, we read it in the Bible, the second and third generation Israelites, they fell from the ways of their forefathers, right? And so it, we're in a unique hour in the church in Nepal where um, we're really wanting to see the youth carry on what their, what their fathers and what their grandfathers and grandmothers and mothers carried in that first generation of believers. And so we, we started to mobilize these youth and give them simple teaching, uh, give them tools in their hands and how to preach the gospel, tools in their hands and how to walk people through freedom and deliverance and things. And so right as, right as, um, right before we left, we felt like the Lord was highlighting this area in the south of Nepal called Chitwan. Um, that area of Nepal and in India is where the jungle, jungle book was based out of. Um, and so there's tigers and leopards and rhinos and elephants, um, and just all in that region. And so um, the, we felt like the Lord highlighted this one town and this one specific church that was key to unlocking this whole area and this whole church network. Um, but in the town, there is even a town rhino. So we would be sitting in a little shop eating curry and uh, there'd be a rhino just walking down the middle of the street, you know? And we're like, because rhinos are really dangerous. You don't mess with rhinos. And we're like, Okay, guys, there's a rhino. Like, stay calm. And we asked the locals, we're like, hey, there's a rhino in the street. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, you know, in Nepali, like, like, meaning no problem. Like, this rhino, he's the town rhino. Like, 
he's not as dangerous as the wild rhinos. And we're like, as dangerous, you know? And they're like, yeah, just don't get in his way and you'll be fine. And so we're in these Southern jungles and um, we ended up gathering about 170, uh, 18 to 30 year olds um, in this church. And we had about 50 of us down there. And um, we ran this three day gathering where we were just, you know, whenever we run a gathering, we just never assume everyone's saved, even if it's a church gathering, you know, they preach the gospel and people giving their lives to Jesus and people who had um, just two weeks previous given their lives to the Lord are showing up to this thing to be equipped and how to preach the gospel, right? That's just how fresh it is. And um, just seeing the Holy Spirit show up and, and power, you know, and seeing demons manifest and people getting completely set free of demonic oppression and people getting healed um, but then also equipped on how to, how to share the gospel. Um, just because we just, we want to make sure that they're, they have revival in their heart before we send them out, you know, and we just want them to get totally free so they can bring freedom wherever they go. Um, so on the third day, we ran from local evangelism in the area. And it's just so fun. We get to sit down, you know, it's like me and maybe two other foreigners with like two or three other Nepalis. We get to pray and ask the Lord, Lord, where are you leading us? And, someone will see a picture of a purple house and like we see like a purple house, you know, just kind of random, just a little faith, like, I don't know. And then the Nepali be like, Oh yeah, I know where that house is. It's in my village. It's like in my neighborhood. Cause we're literally ministering to their neighbors. Right. And so it's so much fun just to partner in that way. And uh, one of our little teams that went out, they uh, happened upon one of our girls saw a picture of a woman in a red sari, which is the local dress that they wear. And they're walking around this area there's an old woman in a red dress, a red sari. So they walk up to her and start sharing the gospel with her. And she's somewhat receptive, you know, um, like open to it. With Hinduism, they believe in millions of gods, right? So it's really easy just to add Jesus to the millions that they believe in, right? But So you have to be clear in the proclamation of the gospel that he is the only way, the only truth, and the only life, right? And so they're really bringing that. And um, her, her husband is sitting in this chair over to the right. And um, he's just sitting there, not sitting up, just listening. And um, and they started talking about how Jesus heals not only the heart, but actually can bring physical healing. And she starts to talk about, well, how about how her husband had had a stroke four years ago, and it completely paralyzed the left side of his body. And he, had, he hadn't walked without a walker for four years. And so they're like, well, we just believe Jesus wants to heal him. And so they went over and they laid hands on him. And they prayed for him and he stood up and he started walking for the first time in four years without a walker. And he didn't even have movement really in his left arm. It was just limp. And he literally was doing like father Abraham, you know, left arm, right arm, left. No, he wasn't actually doing that, but you know, like he was walking. It was crazy. And so he gets, he gets like full on healed. And then the lady's like, okay, well, we want to give our lives to Jesus and renounce every other God. And they're like, wait, what, what do you mean? Like, yeah, like our whole family wants to give our lives to Jesus. Like, no Hindu God has ever done this for us. And if, if, if Jesus is this good, then we want, he's worth following. And so the whole family ended up giving their lives to Jesus. We like burnt all their idols, destroyed them all. Um, and there was a couple of testimonies, but um, that was just, you know, like God's really moving um, out there in, in Nepal in this hour. And um, it's, it's the best news ever. It really is. It really is the good news and it really works, <laughs> you know? Um, but yeah, and that 
that's an amazing story and that's an amazing testimony but i i heard something as you were talking you you kept referencing the youth and you have such passion for that i see in how you're trying to change generations upon generations where did that passion come from in helping equip the youth to, to help change the globe yeah i think it's a it's just near and dear to my heart you know as 18 years old just living in the world um i have to mention water polo jeremy sorry i guess i'm not, oh, no, I'm not a hater <laughs> it came out bro he's always a hater but, uh, i grew up playing water polo and just fully in the world and jeremy was jealous of all the awards i was getting all the accolades you know he wished he'd be half the athlete that i was and, uh, and um just in it you know um but i tasted something in jesus that i never found in any other lover you know no love of sports no love of um the lifestyle that our culture promotes none of that that, that pales it's it's like a, a dim dim light compared to the light of the love of jesus mm. so for me i just see a generation of young people who don't know what they don't know and they need to know and i just believe everyone has the right to have the opportunity to say yes to jesus you know the real jesus you know not not just an empty jesus but a real personal relationship with jesus because I just believe as people grab a hold of that, whatever they lay their hands to, where will bear fruit that remains and will see kingdom impact, right? And so for me, I'm like, man, I just want to see, I don't want to see it stymied. I don't want to see it slow down what God's doing in Nepal. It's such a strategic place. It's a nation of 27 million people. And to the north, there's 1 billion souls in China. There's 1 billion souls in India. And what would it look like if there is a mission sending movement out of this little, little slice of the pie in the Himalayas, what would it look like if it actually became one of the greatest mission sending nations, these nitty gritty, hardy Himalayan peoples who are used to growing up in some of the harshest environments, they grabbed a hold of the great commission message and began to reach people that are not their own, you know, and that's just, it's just God, you know, it's his dream. Yeah. It's not mine. You know, I have ideas. But I've just, I've really aimed, I want to set my, I want to set my will upon fulfilling the dreams on our, on our Lord's heart, you know? Mm. Love it, man. It's so, so good. I love it, man. We, we were talking uh, just yesterday about um, kind of just some things. I mean, you were, you were here, um, man, I don't even remember when that was. Like, it was cold. I remember that. Uh, yeah. We were in your backyard, which is like two streets up from my house. Was that in December, January, something January, like that? Yeah, January, yeah, January. January, okay. And, um, you know, you, you were just back here visiting, and, and Lisa was still pregnant, and I'm chasing Zeke all around uh, your parents' house. <clears throat> and um, just just to hear the story um, again was some of that was, was neat, but also to hear it expand was amazing. And, and then yesterday we were just talking about some scriptures that were, were speaking to you currently right now. And you mentioned the person of Nicodemus and the gospel of John. And then, and then you just really kind of focused in on this passage in the gospel of John chapter 17. And, and what I want to do is I want to just like take a look at it and um, we'll have Kim read it. And then let's just talk about, man, why is this speaking to you right now? And let's just explore it together. If you're at home, if you're on the chat, like you can ask questions about this. And uh, Cameron can tell you all the, the intricacies of the text and the grammatical. Uh, That's you, bro. That's you, bro. No, it's not me. It's you, bro. <laughs> uh, he can translate it into Nepali as well. Um, but here we go. I'm going to put it on the screen. Night of Mission, Nepal. Here we go. Kim, you want to read it for us? John 17, 20 through 26. Yes. 
I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they all will be one, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want these whom you have given me to be with me where I am. Then they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me, even before the world began. O oh, righteous Father, the world doesn't know you, but I do. And these disciples know you sent me. I have revealed you to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love for me will be in them, and I will be in them. So here we've got, uh, this is Jesus speaking. Uh, this is a long passage in the Gospel of John toward the end. It's, it's leading up to his uh, crucifixion and then his uh, subsequent resurrection, glorification. But uh, in this passage, we see Jesus talking to his disciples. And we see it's about discipleship. We see it's about the Holy Spirit. But how is it speaking to you, Cam? How is it speaking to your situation right now? Uh, I think, you know, John 15 just and 16 really go in depth about abiding in the vine, right? And this reality that was so foreign that in the old covenant looked just a certain way. Um, but he, he begins to hint of this access that we can have to communion with the triune God, you know? Um, and then he talks about, you know, grief turning to joy. Um, and he prays to, you know, his father, Jesus to the Father in the beginning of 17, asking to be glorified as he was obedient to his Father's will, thinking about only his Father's business. And then he begins to pray, you know, for his disciples first, but then in verse 20, then for all believers. And it was Jesus' final prayer, you know, um, to his boys, right? This intimate, intimate upper room discourse, this intimate environment. Then he sets his gaze on these, on these disciples and he also sees generations upon generations to come. And this is his will. This is his desire. This is the overflow of his heart, looking at the father and asking for him to move upon these words, you know? And um, I just, I just love it so much, right? You know, in verse 21, we see that Jesus asks that, that we would dwell together in unity, you know, in such a tumultuous time, there's so much disunity, but my desire in my heart is that the overflow of our hearts would be that of unity in this hour, that we would come together as the bride, as the church, and that our love for one another would speak of something, that the Christian ethic would speak to a generation of unbelievers about something supernatural. You know, and then verse 21, it, it talks about that, that, they, that, they will, that people will believe in him because of the unity that believers have in one another around the Trinity of God, right? It's not an empty unity about human ambition. That doesn't bring unity. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's, that's just, that's, but it's actually unity to the cross of Jesus. It's unity through what Jesus did. It's unity and coming around like um, the throne of God, right? We know that's what 
the end of the story looks like in Revelation. Every tongue, every tribe, every culture singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, right? It's not this babble or this utopia of human unity, but a supernatural unity around the revelation of Jesus, right? And um, I just feel like it's just so timely in this hour. It's what we need um, to block out the noise and look each other in the eyes and say that we love each other, that to be there for one another and to fellowship amongst the saints and holy communion with the Lord, you know? Um, and I think it just, it's just so rich um, in so many ways. He talks about releasing glory, that the Lord actually wants to, the same glory that Jesus walked in, that he walked in earth. You know, he said, greater, greater things will you see. Like, what does that actually mean? And he talks about how he has given them glory, the same glory that the Father has given him, so that they may be one. And that they may experience perfect unity in verse 23. Um, but I just love the, ta the tail end, verse 26. And this has just been like prayer fodder for me in my secret place this past season. Um, like I said earlier, every day I am longing to be back home in Nepal. As weird as it sounds, I don't want to be in Kona, Hawaii. I know that sounds weird, but I literally don't want to be here. I want to be home with my dear, dear friends in Nepal, with these people that we've, we've gone there with, that we've seen each other at our worst days, that we've seen each other at our best days. Um, and in verse 26, you know, Jesus says, I, Jesus, have revealed you, Father, to them, and I will continue to do so. Then your love, Father, will be in them, and I will be in them. And I just don't think we can, we fully comprehend, I don't either, what that actually means. <laughs> that actually Jesus is saying that he wants to continually reveal the Father to us. I love Mike Bickle. He has, he's, he started the I, I International House of Prayer in Kansas City, has just amazing in-depth teaching on Christology and the book of Revelation and all that. And he'll go into these, he'll just unpack these scriptures and you're just sitting there just enamored by who the man Jesus is. And he'll sit there looking at his, his, his church and he'll say, I barely know the man. I barely met him. And he's in his late fifties, early sixties. He's like, I barely know him, you know? And I'm like, man, I don't know what that prayer is that Jesus prayed, but I want that to be my reality more and more every day of my life. That Jesus says, yeah, he's revealing the father to us constantly, you know, and that, that your love father would be in them. What would it look like if we were actually a church that walked in supernatural fatherly love to a generation and also that Jesus wants to make his dwelling place in us? I just, I can't, I can't put that in a box of human intellect and understanding, but what I do know is that is the answer that the world needs in this hour. That what I do know is that is actually the answer to everything that we're seeing right now is for us to tap into another reality, another dialogue. There's the dialogue of the world. It's pervasive. It's in our face. I think modern metrics are saying Gen Zers are in front of a screen for seven and a half hours a day, right? And then we go to church for like a little, little, little pit stop on the weekends, right? But what if we actually begin to grab a hold of that John 15 reality of communion with the triune creator of the universe to actually begin to receive the infilling of the supernatural fatherly love and allow, the, allow our Lord Jesus to take his seat upon the throne of our hearts. 
I feel like then, no matter the circumstance, no matter the hardship, yeah. we're going to win. <laughs> you know, we know the end of the story. We read the book of Revelation. It's only going to end one way, <laughs> right? But I don't know. That's just been my prayer. Every time I just feel disheartened or discouraged of the time that we're living in, I'm like, Lord, fill me with your love. Let me let my my thoughts be more full of who you are than my circumstances or what's happening around me, you know? I think that's just this critical, like, like you said, that our, our hearts need to overflow with unity and it only comes from experiencing God, experiencing that time. In order to love people better, you have to love God better and be yeah. loved by God better. And that just boils down everything, that everything goes into that. Like how, how can we manage to do anything apart from the love of God? Yeah and experiencing that and so like in your experience in nepal and what you're doing and and even just the the prayer time and seeking god through worship and through through the word and through prayer like that is so essential and yet we're so quick to blow it off uh here and in our human efforts and our human intellect and our, our striving maybe gets in the way of some of these things yeah. but you know we've got a, a question in the chat that i, I wanted to to bring up uh, from from our friend Jim Rushing, uh, how does a person know they are called to be a missionary? Come on, great question. That's awesome. Matthew twenty eight, the Great Commission. You know, it's um, our calling is to love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength. And he's talking. He's talking here about everybody. Everybody, that is our calling. Now, the question is, what is our assignment of our time here on earth? And Lisa and I's assignment is to be in Nepal and labor in that place to see more and more, more souls, one for Jesus. But I feel like sometimes we get those switched where we feel like our calling is what we do, but actually our calling is to pursue God and give him the love that he's worth and allow that to trickle into every area of our life, right? And so to that, I would say we're all missionaries. You know what I mean? Like we're all on mission. We're all aiming to see Christ glorified in our families and our communities and our businesses and our, you know, in our cities, all that. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not like, it's not any more holy to be a missionary in Nepal than a missionary in Camarillo. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's all about obedience. Like, that's, that's our measure for success. It's not the outcome. It's obedience to his leading over our lives. And if we're obedient, and then we can go to heaven and he'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You're faithful with what I gave you in your time on earth, right? Mm. And so to that, I would say, yeah, like Matthew 28, he told us all to go, preach the good news, make disciples, move in the supernatural, right? Um, so Jim, you're a missionary, bro. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know what who this guy is and where Cameron went, but uh, you're just like dropping theological bombs <laughs> on us right now, blowing our minds, and, and I love it. And also, like, I, I see it's it's just the consequence of what happens when you soak yourself in prayer and mm. when you follow God authentically with your whole family. I mean, 
Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're making time for God with two young kids and a wife and living in Nepal and now pick up and now you're in Kona and then hoping to get back to Nepal. I'd be like, man, I'm going to stay in Kona. God's calling me here right now. But um, just your heart is so coming through right now. Um, the interwebs even. I, I love it. <laughs> Uh, you it. talked a little bit before about about dreams, but Kim's got another question she wanted to to ask you about dreams for Nepal. Um, you you had mentioned earlier, um, kind of about like the segue between between China and India, and, and two billion people at least separating, uh, yeah. or Nepal separating. But but Kim, why don't you go ahead and uh, continue with our our conversation tonight? Yeah. So why don't you kind of just elaborate? Kind of you were starting to go there. Yeah earlier in the conversation, but what is your dream, your aspiration for Nepal? Like, what's the vision that God's given you as you've soaked in the prayer room and as you've cried out to God for that region? Like, kind of expound a little bit more on just your heart for the youth and raising up a generation to reach the laws. Kind of tell us what your dream, your aspiration is for that nation. Yeah, I, um, uh, to see... Jesus received the reward of his suffering in Nepal, you know, for to see him um, gain his inheritance in a nation in this hour. That's the big dream, right? That through my life and through my simple small yes, that I can move the sticks on the Great Commission and seeing every tribe, tongue, and nation receive the gospel message. Um, and so practically what that looks like is um, we really do believe that, like I said earlier, that we, that the Lord is really breathing something special in the youth of Nepal. When I say youth, I'm talking about people my age in late teens, early twenties. Uh, in Nepal, cult, Nepali culture, you're a youth until you're married. So you'd be like 35 years old. You're still a youth until you get married. <laughs> and so, um, but uh but yeah, I think that's my dream, right? I just I really want to see the Himalayas sing of the glory of the Lord. All these little little people groups. There's people groups that are so remote, and these they're tucked in twenty four thousand foot mountains, and they're so remote they don't even know what a country is. They don't even know what Nepal is. All that they know is the life that they're leading, and they're just bound in darkness. And if I can be any part of seeing these little people groups have the opportunity to say yes to Jesus, then by all means, I'm going to do it, right? And so we just feel like the Lord's giving us fresh blueprints of not only being the ones who are going into these people groups, but actually taking the time to raise up an army around us to begin to systematically reach the nation. And so my dream is there's 77 districts in Nepal the dream of my heart is to see systematically each of the 77 districts get completely saturated with the gospel message. Um, not only the gospel of salvation, but the gospel of reformation to actually see worldviews and society shift around a Christian biblical worldview. Um, because you can get saved, but 3,000 years of Hinduism makes you think a certain way. So you can be saved and you know all that, but you still think and act like a Hindu, you know? And, uh, and so not only to stop at salvation, but to get in the gutters and the, do the much harder work, which is discipleship um, and really fellowship with people and um, show them a better way. 
So, so it's, yeah. it's not just an escapist mentality of like, oh yeah, you'll you believe this and then you'll you'll go to heaven someday. And no let's way. not worry about the political mess. Let's not worry about the circumstances that are out of your control. But it's actually like reforming, engaging the society, and changing that yeah. through people. For sure, one hundred percent. Yeah. And uh, I mean, that's that's the dream stream. There's no problems in the dream stream. <laughs> you know, there's no there's no hardships when you're ha speaking big vision, right? And um, it's tough. <laughs> it's really tough. You know, you we have some guys who on our team have never met their father. Their father refuses to meet them because they are born out of wedlock. They're bound in shame, and their mother's their mother is a migrant worker in the Arab Gulf, um, sending money back home. And they grew up in a boy's home with just a lot of intense stuff and they get saved and they want to get, you know, they want to be a missionary and, um, live out the great commission lifestyle. What do you do with that? <laughs> My human ability to create a structure, a training program falls flat on its face. Um, when someone has that type of, of a upbringing, you know what I mean? I've already had a hard enough time and I grew up in a great home, <laughs> you know? And so I think that's where the rubber hits the road with the Great Commission is making disciples and learning what long suffering love looks like and being in a context where there's days of the week where I hate everything about where I am. Um, I'm getting squeezed, right? We're all in a season right now where we're getting squeezed. And uh, what's coming out when we get squeezed? Jesus or our flesh, you know? And so, <laughs> you know what I mean? And so it's an everyday squeezing out there in Nepal. And uh, I just want more and more for the mixture of my life, you know, for more and more, you know, when I'm, when I'm weak, Christ is made strong, right? Mm. And so that's what the nitty gritty of, of what the dreams and aspirations are look like is getting in the trenches with these young dudes, young ladies, and um, seeing them walk in the, the fullness of what God's called them into. We've got an, another question in the chat from my mother-in-law, uh, Cheryl. Uh, she says, are there other Americans with you ministering in Nepal? Yes, there are. Yeah, we have um, about 48 or like 50 guys on our team, our long-term team right now. So we run schools every year, which are around 30 students. But then out of those schools, it's actually, it's been really great. We have about a 50% return rate on our training schools, which is normally maybe 15 to 20% across the globe with similar type of training. And, um, and so we have a bunch of guys joining our team from all over the world, from Germany, my wife from Norway, um, Canada, America. Um, and so about on our team of 50, we have, I think, about 18 Nepalis, a couple Indians, handful Fijians, Americans, Canadians. Yeah, we got it all. Um, I remember when um, when my, my mother-in-law is involved with a missionary organization called GDI, GTI, <clears throat> Global Transformation GDI, G, I don't know, something like that, GDI, Global Discipleship International, that's what it's called. Come on. Uh, <laughs> and um, I remember she, we had a, an event at her house and um, they invited someone from Nepal and I think his name was Pradeep or something like that. And he came when, when uh, Jeff and, and uh, Kim were in 
visiting you, uh, he was trying to link up and you're like, dude, that's like the most common name in Nepal or one of the most common names. Like, how are we going to find this one dude? And yeah. apparently they almost connected there or I, I don't know what happened with yeah, the we, we met him. Yeah. You didn't meet him. Okay, cool. Yeah, didn't meet him. Hopefully it was the same guy or the right one. It was because Cheryl connected us. Okay, cool. That's so sweet. Um, Dustin, go go ahead. I mean, you got you got some thoughts for Cameron too. Yeah, uh, I mean, these step. these dreams sound amazing that you're that God has placed on your heart, and I mean, it's it's better for the whole entire globe for this dream to come to fruition. So how can we pray? as we're at home and, and you're the boots on the ground in Nepal and you're ministering and, and raising up leaders, how can we pray for you? How can we come alongside you and support you? Is there anything else additionally we can do to, to send support your way? What do you need most of all while you're out there? Yeah, I think there's practical, like immediate needs. Um, we had to apply for my wife's green card um, in order to be able to stay here and not get deported, you know? And so I think as soon as we get that, we're going back. Um, and so you can be praying for that process to be quick, quickened in the midst of COVID and government offices getting shut down. And um, we really just need, need the supernatural hand of God um, over that. Um, but even, I mean, I think even in the immediate need also for us as a family, a lot of us from the field had to leave. Um, and so we're all living in these little rooms there. I don't even know how big they are. <laughs> it's got enough room for like a queen size bed and a little kitchen with our kids, but it's just so rich. Um, our friends from India and um, different countries all had to come home. And so our boys are just getting such amazing time with all these other kids and just deep fellowship. But um, we've just come out of a season from about early June to now we're, We've been helping to run some programs out here to see um, people who did their DTS in Kona um, be equipped and ready to staff DTSs and take teams all over America and the world. Um, but we're really in a season now where we don't know how long we're going to be here. Um, but I really just want clarity on what the Lord's leading us into in this season in Kona. Um, we don't know... Yeah, how long we'll be here but what i definitely don't want to do is sit on my hands and wait by idly until we get to go back to nepal and then like start up our missionary work again i'm like i want to be the same person wherever i am in the world i don't want to just do what i'm doing when i'm in nepal right and so my prayer recently has been lord give me your heart for kona hawaii like you've broken my heart for the himalayan people groups you know Lord, give me your heart for this place um, and help me to, yeah, just walk out that great commission reality in the streets of Kona and the Target parking lot. You know, help me to share, you know, share the gospel with the lady at the USPS last week who was helping me with my son's passport application, you know, like, and so I think for us as a family, we just really want clarity um, of what this fall looks like. Um, and what we really should give ourselves to as we're awaiting to get back to our home and pick up the work. And um, I think there's that. I think also be praying for us. Um, I'm just, I just feel like COVID took me out in so many ways in regards to what I felt like God was promising over 2020 and seeing people reached in Nepal. Um, but just this past two weeks, I feel like 
he's I've just been getting downloads from him on how to engage people through Zoom and through trying to run some youth gatherings and we're going to run this big online evangelism campaign through Facebook and trying to reach the lost in Nepal. I think we're going to spend like 200 bucks and reach like a million people through like targeted ads, you know? So even now I'm like, Lord, give us strategy on how we can be faithful to what you spoke over 2020, even though we aren't physically there. Um, I think that'd be the main one. Yeah. Those things. I was and, say that uh, if you ever needed help, uh, my grandma lives like right next to you guys in, in uh, Kona there. Um, no she she's like teaches people cpr and all this stuff she can get you registered uh, for cpr if you ever needed that um, but but for you guys you you have have needs beyond uh cpr training um financial needs and so like missionaries one of the hardest jobs for missionaries is to ask for money and um so i'm gonna ask for you uh, if you want to help donate um, to, you know, succeed and, and fulfill the dream, not just that Cameron and, and Lisa have for Nepal, but that God has for Nepal, you can actually uh, donate to that. Uh, you can actually, I think you can go to journeythechurch.org and you can give, we don't get a single cent of it as Journey the Church. We send it completely all to our missionaries, especially yeah, yeah. this one right here. We love Cameron. Uh, and Lisa, and you can click donate to Journey the Church, and it'll take you to some places. But you can select a fund to choose. Um, well, it just says general fund, but just put a comment in there, and we'll sort it out. Say mission fund or mission. Send it to Cam because he's so good looking and so wise. <laughs> <clears throat> but um, uh, or I think we can write a check to Loving the World, right? Mm -hmm. uh, as well. So we've got an organization that we we use to help uh, give to our missionaries. Uh, are there other ways that we can, we can help uh, financially support you guys or are those uh, the main things just cash yeah. or gold, something like that. Gold. <laughs> yeah. I, we're living off a uh, third world budget in like the most expensive place in the world. I think maybe not, but like, <laughs> so we've definitely just been in a place of trusting the Lord for finances in the midst of, having to pay um, a lot of money for a green card and other things. And so um, honestly, I'm just super honored by you guys' journey to church. Um, you guys have so believed in Lisa and I, even in the early days when maybe we didn't have much fruit to show for our labor, um, you guys um, saw the call of God on our lives and you guys have sown into it just so generously. And even bro, just what you're saying, like, you guys even give a hundred percent of donations. Oftentimes they, you know, they take one or three or 5% in different mediums, you know, cause they have a bigger operation, but even, you know, I know Heidi and Jeremy, your mom and others, you guys just serve so self-sacrificially. Um, and that's just such an honorable thing. You know, that hundred percent of what's given is like, you know, that we, we see that. Um, and so, yeah, I think, yeah, we're in need in a lot of areas um, on eventual flights back to Nepal um, and, and everything. But, um, but yeah, just super honored by you guys. Um, I, I actually found the proper website. Uh, don't go to journeythechurch.org. You can, but it'll just be more of a, of a headache. We, I just found, like, we've got this amazing website right here that I'll show you. Um, it's called Loving the World. Yeah. Uh, 
org. And it's amazing. Look at this. Lovingtheworld.org. And it's got all this stuff. Got some videos. Hey, that's your wife right there. Dude. Yeah, watch right that. Hi, everyone. My name is Lisa. Uh, I'm from Norway. And this. That's it. That's it. I mean, just take my money right now. She's from Norway. <laughs> She's, you know, doing missions work. But here we go. Uh, this is our important stuff right here. Uh, donate. And we can actually drop down, make a donation. And um, here you go. You can choose a fund. And uh, we're going to be hanging out with Noah next week in, Sol in Slovakia. But uh, Cameron Custance Family Mission, and we can put like a billion dollars or whatever in that account, <laughs> add a donation, and then submit. Super easy. Um, tax, I don't know, whatever you get, your tax refund stuff, all that. Um, but yeah, man, we're so grateful um, to have you. Thank you so much um, for, for making time for us uh, in, the middle, in the middle of your, your busy life out there uh just as a missionary thank you for your servant's heart and for all that you're doing for the kingdom of god mm -hmm. uh kim, kim would you close us out in prayer tonight as we lift him up and his ministry and his wife and family father i praise you for the one who um is the provider and i pray that you would provide for them in every area of their lives that you would release the finances for them as they get their green card to buy their tickets back to Nepal, you know the perfect timing and all that. Give them wisdom and clarity moving forward as they um, are seeking you for this next season and for their time, that their time wouldn't be wasted in, in Kona, Father. We just are so in awe of how you work. I thank you for the way, Father, that you have given Cameron and Lisa such a passion for you and to see your name made famous all over the earth. And I pray that you would continue to use them to inspire a generation um, to say yes to you and to give their hearts and their lives wholeheartedly to you to reach the lost. I pray, Father, that you would help all of us who are hearing this message to also um, be missionaries in our own communities where we live and to share your gospel and to love you wholeheartedly and to fulfill the Great Commission here in Camarillo. So we just thank you so much, Father, for this opportunity that we've had. And I pray that the passion and the fire in Cameron's heart would ignite us to, to um, passionately seek you and to reach the lost. And I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much. Um, did we say all the nice things that people had to say about you? Dustin, you want to scroll through? You better, you better read it. Just yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone's asking to replace uh, me or Jeremy with Cameron from here on out. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, good stuff. Ten thousand praise God. There were some yeah. other things, right? Oh, Tara, my wife said you guys are superhero parents. <laughs> Come on, I need to hear that. Oh, parenting's wild. <laughs> Anything else, Justin? You saw? Um, checking. Yeah, there's. Uh, you spoke into someone's life. Someone's been thinking about their own assignment, and your encouragement and timely words uh, helped affect their their thought process. So I always talk of it. If you're if one person gets something out of this, that's amazing. So you've helped encourage someone continue to to listen to God in their next steps. Mm. And then other people are just saying thanks for sharing, Amen. And uh, I think we're in good hands with you leading the charge out there. Mm. We got the Christian hands. Yeah. I pray. So it's a peanut butter and jelly. That's uh, so. I don't know about that, but All thanks right. so much. <laughs>
Hey, we love you, man. And thanks. Yeah, for- love you guys.